Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Perryton. I'll be your host. During this time of the new norm, uh, questions of where does music ministry and corporate worship find itself in the local church? To help us understand uh, what this is all about, uh, we have with us Dr. Chris Headley. He is the uh, Associate Pastor of Worship and Music at First Baptist Church Dandridge. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, Chris, uh, uh, I've known you for several years, and uh, you're, you're a good friend of mine. And I, I, Of course, I know a lot about you, but other people are not to, that, that are listening today don't. So just share a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I, as you said, I'm the worship pastor at First Baptist in Dandridge. Two kids. Ellie is uh, seven and a, a student, except for this weird, strange year, normally at uh, Lakeway Christian Schools at um, Cornerstone Christian Academy. Uh, my son is a student at the University of Pittsburgh, and he's 21. Yeah. And then, of course, my wife, Crystal, um, uh, professor, program director of counseling program over at Johnson University. So, um you know, I guess I've told more about my family than myself. <laughs> uh, worship pastor, I love it. I've grown up uh, leading worship almost my whole life, all the way to being a kid from playing the piano at church and even playing an organ at church for a season. And and uh, God just sort of led me in that direction of ministry. I never thought I would be here, but here I am today. Right. So, And you're kind of a I, I I would consider you kind of a tech guy. You kind of like that stuff, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I love technology of all sorts. Um, you know, I really do see it in many ways as a as a way to, I'll say, shortcut. But certainly, uh, it's a help. It's an assistant to us uh, in the ministry if we right. if we use it well. So, well, tell us a little bit about what uh, life was like before COVID within the music ministry. Really, prior to COVID, uh, First Baptist Andridge has a pretty traditional. Um, music program, and I'm, I'm not talking about the type of music that we do. I'm talking about a full age-graded music program, starting with preschool children all the way down to age two, all the way through older children, students, uh, young adults, and, and full adults. And so as a result, that's very busy. I mean, you, you have a lot of different rehearsals, a lot of different balls in the air, things that you need to keep track of. And uh, it really, I mean, it was a, it was a full program uh, that kept me pretty busy all the time. Obviously, I didn't run all those rehearsals, but certainly I was responsible for administrating all of those. It certainly was an active, you know, an active week every single week. Uh, programs that kind of classic First Baptist Church would have, the special programs for all the different seasons of the year. All of those things are going to happen. Musicals by children, programs by adults. Um, so uh, it was very much the full-blown classic First Baptist style music and worship program. Right. And this time of year, of course, this, I don't like to usually date these podcasts, but getting close to Christmas, you usually are very busy during December. Yeah. So December would be, um, you know, by, by this point, certainly the choir would be virtually prepared. We would mm-hmm. be starting to have uh, major rehearsals where we would be working with the orchestra, be working with anybody who's speaking or doing anything special. We'd be doing all the final programming for lights and for projection and things of that nature for the Christmas program. So it, it, it's a crazy season usually by this time. As a matter of fact, this would be normally the weekend of our big Christmas production. Yeah. So 
you know, here, here we are several months into COVID. And so, uh, as, as I've talked to other people is that, you know, when, uh, March came around, everything just stopped. And, uh, I think, I think those first couple of Sundays, uh, I, I think the church kind of shut down, everybody kind of stopped, took a breath and say, okay, what do we do? What, what do we go from here? What do we do? And so you had to try to catch up and start planning. So, so what has music ministry been like during COVID time? So like you say, you know, those first, uh, when, when it all first came down somewhere in mid-March and we realized we're actually going to, to shut the church, I don't want to say shut it down, I don't like that terminology, but we're going to have to go to some sort of virtual format for mm-hmm. a season. I think everyone thought that that was going to be, a season was a few weeks, maybe right. a month. Right. And it seemed like every week we went, this might last another week or two, but I, I think we're going to be okay. So everything literally just came to a dead stop, but there really wasn't a lot of thought to what are we going to do? How are we going to proceed forward for at this point, nearly a year? And it looks like we're probably, you know, going to be dealing with it a few months more. Right. So there was just this sudden disappearance of everything that had sort of been the foundations of whatever your ministry was, whether it was music ministry, whether it was uh, youth and students or children or the adults or anything, everything just stopped and suddenly became uh, those foundations, those moorings were all just sort of released. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly we found ourselves completely without <laughs> any real clue of how we were going to proceed. Right. After a season, we did realize, I mean, th- this is going to go on for a while. We can't just sort of wait for things to get back to normal. This is going to be, and th- this has become almost a cliche now, but we do have to find a new normal, at least for this season, because, you know, we're the church. We're not yeah. here just to sit back and and uh, and wait for this to be over with, but we have a mission, and each mm-hmm. one of us have individual specific missions within that larger mission, and so uh, that, that, was a, that was a big change. We had to have this big change in the way we were thinking. And then, of course, uh, uh, First Baptist was already doing online worship, uh, so that was already set up. But all the other things, uh, you had to kind of quick think through what you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, I know our uh, minister of associate pastor, minister of missions and education. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, he's he was hurrying to set up Zoom classes for Sunday school and all that. And then just having the technology, extra technology. Right. That that was a challenge, too. Yeah. So a a big part of that process was um, we had a lot. We were very, very fortunate. We had a lot of things already in place to a degree. But our live streaming, for example, really was, I don't want to say it was an afterthought because we we intentionally were doing that for Mm -hmm. those who couldn't come to church. But all of a sudden you went from there's maybe five to ten folks that are watching this periodically, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily even every Sunday, you know, a couple of shut-ins and then maybe some folks who are sick that Sunday can't be there to your entire congregation now you want to engage with them in worship and it's the whole congregation. And so a lot of the things that we're doing now, we could not do initially. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the, the very first Sunday, obviously, because our decision to go, uh, virtual was done on a Friday. Uh, that really was just the live stream, but within a week I took some time and we actually rewired as a temporary stopgap measure, rewired our entire system to basically, so that instead of, we didn't need our projectors in the sanctuary anymore. There was nobody in there but the staff. Right. And so we rewired everything to basically utilize all that equipment to put bottom thirds, mm-hmm. 
um, to be able to add graphic displays in a much better way, more, much more sophisticated than we could could have done before. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really a stopgap measure, but we knew very quickly as well that we needed, depending on how long this lasted and when we started realizing this is going to go on for a while, we sort of realized that when we go back in person, it's not going to be a full in-person. There's going to be this hybrid format with part of our congregation at home and part uh, in the building physically. And so uh, we made the decision to make significant financial investments and upgrades so that we could once again maintain that same level of quality online. But also, obviously, at some point I had to undo all of my rewiring and yeah. and rigging in order to uh, put that back up for the for the sanctuary. So it was a pretty monumental task, really, right. to make it happen. So what about worship time? I mean, when you when you I know that we're sitting at home watching our computer uh, and, and, and you, you had, and now not, I can't remember at the very beginning, I know we, you'd have a few, uh, like a worship team that mm-hmm. was up there. Uh, but, but how, how, what was that like trying to pull that together? What's your, what was your thinking as you were just dealing with, how am I going to do this now in this manner with all the people out there in their pajamas drinking coffee, how am I going to really <laughs> lead them to worship? Yeah, and so it, there's a lot of things going on there. Um, one of the reasons that I wanted to engage uh, a, an ensemble group or a praise team or whatever you want to call it, rather than just have it be me standing behind the pulpit singing, mm-hmm. well, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, I'm not the greatest vocalist <laughs> in the world, so it's nice to have someone, other people with better voices than mine to cover me up. But the the more serious reason is, one of the reasons I believe in choirs, even when we're doing full-blown contemporary worship, is that um, a choir really in a lot of ways is sort of a little representation of the congregation. I want mm-hmm. the choir to reflect who the congregation is. I want people in the congregation to look up there and identify with someone in the choir, to identify with, you know, here's um, here's this single mom, mm-hmm. and she's up there just worshiping the Lord and faithful to the Lord. What a great testimony that is. Um, here's this... Uh, here, here's a husband and wife couple, and they're making a sacrifice because you know they're they're having to, they're coming to choir on Wednesday nights, and their kids have to sit out there with some friends or something. Like that. I want people to identify with someone. They're recognizing sacrifice and service and all these sorts of things. So I don't like the idea of it just being me because I'm one person to identify sure. with. So it's always good to have a group of people that, that uh, are genuine in their worship that the congregation will witness and see and identify with. And hopefully that encourages them to be genuine in their worship. Mm-hmm. And so um, that, that was a big deal. Um, a- another change that happened is that, um, you know, I, I've been doing worship ministry for 22 years and 20 years ago, I ran across a piece of software that did at the time what as much as anything could, but uh, you know, because I'm old dogs and new tricks, I'd been sort of holding off on using one of the more modern worship planning Mm -hmm. systems. But thankfully, probably six months before all this happened, I had decided to go with one of these new modern cloud-based worship planning systems. And I'm grateful for that because what that's allowed me to do is um, my worship teams, whether that's the instrumentalists, the drummers, uh, the uh, instrumentalists on keyboards, the the vocalists, um, they can all see the worship plan for upcoming Sundays. They mm-hmm. can see the music. They can read through it. They can sing through it with the demonstration copies that are on there, and that's all automated for them. You know, so many things about this whole process has been about figuring out some way to do all of the things that you used to do in person mm-hmm. to do it virtually, and that's just another example. Rehearsals effectively have become virtual. Well, now you do, and I, I don't know how you put it together. I know none of the details, 
but when you have uh, i think what how you do it is you uh you you have uh, each choir member sing a certain part and they send it to you and you put it together into big like a big giant choir is that a simplification of what you're doing <laughs> well no it, it, it's pretty accurate uh it, it, it makes it sound like it takes about 15 minutes that way uh it takes uh days actually to put together but that that was something um i, I would say within a couple weeks of the shutdown um, there was a video that came across on social media of some friends of mine that are all part of the Nashville mm-hmm. music community. I mean, these are publishers, uh, some uh, studio musicians that, that do solos for a lot of these different groups of publishers. They put together a video of just, it was pretty simple, of all of them singing a hymn together, and it was all done virtually. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw that, I, I said, that, that, that's it, we've got to do that for Easter. Right. Um, because at that point, we were heading toward Easter, with this recognition of we might not be back in church, you know, little did we know here we are a year later. Um, We kept thinking maybe we'll Easter Sunday will be the Sunday we restart. Well, not at all. (laughs) Um, So uh, I said, we've got to do that for Easter. And so it was just one of those things of, okay, I think I can figure out how to do that. I mean, I, I, I do video editing with Final Cut, as you mentioned earlier. I do. I am kind of geeky, and so um, I do video editing with Final Cut. And I thought if I could create these guide vocals where I sing all four of the parts one at a time, and I could send it to them, and then they could respond by recording themselves singing along with my voice, mm-hmm. and then I could somehow put all that together and mix all the video and all the audio together. I think we could do this. I think we could pull it off and have it done by Easter. Yeah. And uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, you know, there my choir ranges in age from some 20-year-olds all the way through, quite literally, um, I'm trying to think who would be the oldest, um, 87. Hmm. And the amazing thing is, across that whole age group, I have folks doing this. Um, I, I, I got videos sent to me electronically just yesterday from uh, someone who's in her 80s. And yeah. uh they have all really stepped up to the plate and said, we're going to commit to it and do this. And then for those who who, who are really uncomfortable with it, we mask up and, and do it one at a time, and we kind yeah. of record them there at the church in the studio. Yeah. So. so how has it been uh, trying to stay connected with uh, with a, your choir? I mean, has that been difficult? So that is, that is very, very hard. Um, we're fortunate, again, uh, this is where technology, I do really think, plays a a great role. Now, obviously, it's no substitute for face-to-face. No, mm-hmm. Nobody wants to see me on a television screen or on a, a computer screen uh, any more than they have to, but it's better than nothing. And right. so church management software is great because I can send text messages to the whole group with longer email messages. I can send them notifications. We keep up to date that way. Again, we're doing, um, the choir members also have access to what I mentioned earlier about seeing what's in the service on mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, and then the other thing we've been doing is we've been doing, um, I call them virtual choir rehearsals, but we're really not rehearsing any music. You know, there's nothing out there where the latency is low enough that you can actually have a rehearsal online. It just won't work. But we have done some real basic things like, uh, when we're getting ready to do a virtual choir, we will together listen to the music together and I'll talk to them about some of the things that they'll need to do so that the music stays together mm-hmm. when they do the recording you know, watch out for this spot. And we kind of listen to it together and just make some notes together. And then uh, some weeks I'll do a devotion with them. If we're not, if we're not practice, actually looking at music, we'll do some devotion time where maybe I speak. Uh, the other thing we've done is, um, and I actually just started this because, you know, again, as this lingers on longer and longer, I'm trying to think of way to keep ways to keep things fresh. 
uh, we, we've started inviting a guest maybe once a month, and that's my plan is basically once a month for the remainder of this time mm-hmm. to have a guest uh, composer or arranger from the publishing world. Yeah. Uh, many of those folks, honestly, they're sort of in the same boat. They're sort of floating around and, and feeling a little like, you know, their ministry is sort of, they don't really know what to do either. And so right. this gives them a purpose. And, and so far, everyone that I've contacted uh, has been very positive and and willing to do it. They're they're thrilled at the idea. So we've been doing a lot of that sort of thing to try to uh, make sure that we stay together as a group, that mm-hmm. we keep sort of our our mission and our vision fresh. That this will eventually come to an end, and right. we will be able to return to in person. And what we don't want to do is get to that point and realize that the organization has sort of collapsed under the weight of the stress of right. this of this virus. So, so do you see uh, that, of course, we're kind of looking into the future, but uh, can you see that there's some things that are kind of in place right now that they're probably most likely are going to, go, going to continue or some things that you would normally do that would just slightly change in the future? I will say all of the online capabilities that we've added, I anticipate that those will, will remain as mm-hmm. a supplement to what we can do in person. So um, instead of just suddenly, you know, no longer, you know, you can't see the music online. Why would I ever take that away? It's available now. So choir members who maybe miss a rehearsal now, they have an opportunity to still be able to rehearse and be prepared for Sunday, even though they weren't there on Wednesday nights to rehearse. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly there there's a lot of things that, are going to stay because they're going to be beneficial even uh, when we are able to return to face-to-face. All the electronic resources, the abilities for people to rehearse, the ability for them to um, uh, to do all of these things, to see the music in their homes on their electronic devices. Um, again, I'm just surprised by the number of people, even well into their 70s and 80s, who have embraced the technology. Are they thrilled about not being able to see me face-to-face or us be together face-to-face? No, they're not. Mm-hmm. But they really have embraced this. And so uh, going forward, all of those things are going to remain. Um, it's kind of an interesting question when you ask about, you know, will there be any things that go away? You know, I, I do think one of the things, and one of the things that we did do, that I, I did do with my leadership team, uh, of, of musicians was to sit down with them virtually over Zoom uh, for several hours, um, when, especially when we were going through the budgeting process at our church, and just say, okay, let's put everything on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing, there are no sacred cows, there's nothing that uh, is not going to be discussed today in the music. Let, let's talk about it. Is there anything that needs to go away? And uh, the conclusion that they drew, I, I thought was a good one. Um, by the end of that meeting, we'd concluded there's really no uh, ministry that we're currently doing that we think really serves no purpose and should be dissolved and done away with. Mm-hmm. But what we did talk about is, you know, we, we can't just remain on our laurels of the things that we've accomplished in the past and sort of be in this maintenance mode of just managing all of these different groups. It was really was a matter of trying to rethink what are the sorts of things that we do to engage people in music and worship ministry going forward um, in order to grow these ministries, again, not for the purpose of some sort of um, bragging rights to have the largest this or the biggest that, but rather because you know, when we're engaging people in ministry, we're involving them in the in the service of the church, which is the ser- which is should be the service our service and commitment to the Lord. And so um, that that was a really important thing for us to discuss was 
how do we reach people? You know, we talk about reaching people with the gospel out in the world, but how do we reach people within our own congregations to involve them in ministry, for them to see service in music and worship ministry as something that the church is dedicated and, and set to do uh, to worship God um, for you know thousands of years? I mean, that's one of the primary goals and purposes of the church. And mm-hmm. so we really had a long, thorough discussion about that, and, and uh, it, it was a great conversation. It's an important conversation that really... Uh, certainly before this is over, every every church, every minister needs to be having about every ministry in their church. Do we, you know, does this need to go? Does it need to stay? And if it stays, what do we do to make sure that going forward, um, we're actually achieving the mission and goals that, that God has called us to? Well, share with us some, just some personal challenges that you've been facing uh, during this time. Well, uh, you know, probably not unlike just about everybody, uh, it, it is... Um, it's a season of exhaustion in a lot of ways. Um, as um, I mean, you know, everything takes longer now. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no uh, task that doesn't take two to four times longer than it did pre-COVID. You can't get things. You got to order stuff, and it takes months instead of weeks or days. You have to. Uh, you really have to be planning ahead. Um, and it really is almost overwhelming, to be honest with you. And then, of course, you add that into the uh, the daily stress life of uh, of working and serving a church. And, and so, you know, ministers, but but really anyone who has a job right now is blessed enough to have a job also is dealing with the same things of um, I'm tired and yet somehow I'm supposed to go home and help educate my children because many, you know, children, you know, in my case, we decided to have our daughter be homeschooled for this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son, who's normally at college, has been home much, much more because of the restrictions there. And so suddenly now you just, you have, four people trying to, you know, two people trying to work jobs and two people trying to go to school electronically. Mm. Uh, and yet somehow you still have to cook and clean and take care of family <laughs> life. Uh, you got to go to the grocery store and that takes twice as long. And yeah. I mean, all of the daily options of life have just take that much longer and that much more energy. And, uh, and, and frankly, there, there are days when you just think, I, I just want to take a weekend and take it off and go relax. And, for the most part, that's not easily done today. There's right. just not opportunities to do that. So they're, yeah, it's it's a it's an exhausting season. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Well, even with all the work and 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 I don't know, and I and I need to, I think I need to say this that and and, and probably we're still preaching to a choir. Our congregations need to be grateful for all the work that our ministerial staff does at all of our churches. They don't have no idea that amount of hours and labor that's involved in doing all these new things and trying to minister to people when you can't be with them uh, one-on-one, when you can't go to a hospital to visit, uh, when you're trying to lead worship, trying trying to do a Bible study, when you're trying to do a fall, normally a fall festival, but you try to do it differently. And all those things, you, you, you want to continue to do st- uh, certain things uh, uh, are events throughout the year because of the importance of certain times that we celebrate our holidays. There's a lot more work in that. But, you know, I, I think our congregations, our people in our churches need to really acknowledge how much work our, our pastors have put, put into all that's been going on. Yeah. So what's being successful? 
<laughs> what have you found? And, and, you know, I ask this question because I don't think anyone thinks, hey, we're bringing, because we did this, thousands of people are uh, coming to our church or online or, or uh, uh, coming to know Christ. But, you know, we, we can look out that the things that we're doing, that we're actually doing pretty good in, considering the circumstances. You know, for us, I think one of the biggest things that that really became a, a moment of recognizing, hey, this is going to be okay. You know, obviously, you know, when you when you deal with with struggle and strive, you know, we all acknowledge the fact that God is faithful. Mm-hmm. And actually, that it just you know, it's kind of interesting. That's kind of become my mantra I, ever since this thing started. I started signing everything. God is faithful as much as anything as a reminder to me. God is faithful. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing forward. But one of the biggest things that that happened for us that was good was somewhere, I can't remember exactly when, but certainly it was in the earlier weeks, there was this recognition of this is not going to be over anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, that's when our thinking started transitioning from how are we going to survive to how are we going to press the ball forward, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of just survival. This is not survival mode. We 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 don't want to function in crisis mode. We want to function in... God is faithful and, you know, he has a plan and we're a part of that plan. And whether we like it or not, this wretched disease has been allowed in his plan. And so, you know, again, I'm not, obviously we know that uh, disease is a result of sin, but I just mean to imply, I mean, certainly it's here. And so it's not without his recognition. And so what are we going to do that continues to press forward the mission and vision of the church, what God has called us to do to reach this world with the gospel, what, what are we going to be able to do? When we made that transition, that, that really was, in a lot of ways, um, uh, one of those moments where you realized, okay, this is it. We can go forward. We have things to do. Mm-hmm. It took us out of crisis mode into a forward-thinking ministry mode, and, and that was really um, that was really important. And a, really, a big part of that was, okay, we need to figure out ways to continue the ministry. We need to figure out ways. And, and so we've done a lot of that electronically through things like Zoom, through things like live stream, social media, using our church management software to its fullest potential where we're able to keep in touch with people, you know, using the telephone. I mean, aren't telephones wonderful things? Uh, who, who would have thought that they, there would be such a big comeback to the telephone? But yet right. here, here we are using the telephone all the time to reach people. Yeah. Um, so we're keeping, you know, we're, we're trying to keep people together, trying to keep them connected. And I feel like we've been pretty successful at that. Um, the virtual choirs, the the meetings and being able to continue to have groups and even have some fellowships in person outside in our outdoor pavilion. Mm-hmm. All of those things have been about not just maintaining the ministry, but saying we have to keep moving the ball forward because, you know, God hasn't called us just to stop just because there's this season uh, of COVID, he's called us to continue to work and serve through it this right. season. And so that that's really where we've been most successful, I think. So, and I know this is, uh, during this time is not a time to actually, to gather your people together and take them away. But but in the past, and, and I think in the future too, uh, does it really make an impact on your ministry if you're taking your people, your, your choir, uh, or who it may be, uh, away for a couple of days in a retreat setting. Is that impactful for your church? Sure. So I have actually never um, done an overnight um, event, but uh, I usually do at least one a year. Um, some years we've done them, some years we haven't, but do a, 
a uh, re- retreat type setting actually at the church. We've done some of that and we've talked about getting away. We just never pulled the trigger to do it. Well, uh, there are a couple of great things about it, um, from the, especially in worship ministry. One is that, again, uh, so often in worship ministry, our folks are working. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in choir rehearsal, there's not necessarily a lot of fellowship time per se. Now, people hang around afterwards and talk because they are, they tend to be friends. But um, you know, there's not a, lot, a specific fellowship time uh, like there might be in a Sunday school class or thing of this nature. So um, the great thing about those retreat opportunities like that is that, um, you know, we're able to to hang out together and talk to one another, have meals together. Um, we've done that a lot where, you know, we you know have rehearsal in the morning, uh, meal for lunch, rehearsal in the afternoon, maybe even come back and do it a second day at another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is, just to be honest, I mean, you get a lot done. Right. Uh, one of the reasons I started those years ago is because we could utilize that time to do sectionals and get fully prepared for Christmas programs basically in one and a half days, you know, a Friday night and a mm-hmm. Saturday morning and afternoon. And your Christmas program was pretty much ready. And it was a really effective way to, you know, build fellowship and relationship and then also to build um also to be able to prepare and get a lot done in just a very, very short period of time. Right. I remember I had good memories uh, when I was at Southwestern. We were members at uh, South Cliff Baptist, and we would have a living Christmas tree. So they had this huge uh, tree that mm-hmm. you stood in. It seemed like we, I was always at the top, and, and you know, you were <laughs> really high, and it was hot up there. But we would uh, we would go for a weekend, uh, a few months, a couple months before and uh, basically we learned all our music during that time, and uh, it was always a fun time. I, you know, it's been uh, over 20 years ago, and, and I still remember how fun it was. And even doing the performance, because I think we did I think we did four or five of those performances. So that, that, those are some uh, good times, just being away, getting to know all those choir members and, and uh, getting ready to be able to do worship too. Well, Chris, I, I appreciate you coming and just taking the time to, just to be able to share uh, just a little bit about worship and music in today's uh, surrounding. And, and uh, uh, hopefully, as we look into the future, uh, we might be, all this will kind of open up and we can once again gather together. There's nothing like corporate worship to be able to worship together, lift our, our voices up to the Lord, and to be able to hear God's Word together. And so uh, I look forward to that time. But thank you for just sharing your insights and your experience. Uh, if you're listening to us today on podcast, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, please leave a, a response or a comment or subscribe so other listeners may, uh, may have the opportunity to listen to this resource as well. You might ha- have a question for Chris or what we do at TM Baptist Camps. Uh, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you'll look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.